This is episode two of the Sit Down Takeover with Deb. Today, I sit down and talk with Ray Goots. Um, he's a stand-up comedian. He is the former manager at Caroline's on Broadway. He hired me there, and he takes complete responsibility for mine and Mike's relationship. Uh, so today, we talk about uh, working with Mike as a doorman, also as a comedian, and then we also talk about some of our, the best and worst aspects of working at Caroline's on Broadway. So, yeah, here it is. That's good. That's good content. So here I am. I'm sitting with Ray Goots over Zoom. Uh, Ray and I go way back, but um, so does Ray and Mike. So before yeah. we get into that, Ray, tell us what you did today. Oh, I fucking, um, I trained, can I, I can curse, yeah, I can curse, right, obviously. Yeah. Okay, Mike's, I don't know if this is Mike's like going, podcast. I don't know if you're going to play this for your students. Um, no. <laughs> I was uh, doing, I trained I, my trainer on Zoom, and then I got this workout bench, because you can't find any, but Ray DeVito gave me his, because he's um, moving back to Ohio. So uh-huh. I lifted, I did, finally I'm lifting weights again, I, I uh, bench pressed 70 pounds, nice for like a half hour and then i went for a six mile walk just now i walked to the uh, target and i mean i had shake shack when i got to target but it was the only thing that was open everything else was closed and i never have it and that'll probably just go right through you anyway so it's like there were never any calories yeah so i did that and then uh, i'm just now i got back i'm with you so full day yeah it's an exciting day do you have the weight bench in your garage yeah it's in the garage i've got uh, because i don't know if uh mike cleared out my garage two weeks ago so I put. I was gonna put the weight, the thing upstairs, but it's much better in the garage because I can get air. Yeah. It's way better to exercise there. So yeah, it's yeah. in the garage now. It could be like your man cave until you rent it out to all of a story at a park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was gonna be the goose cave. That's where I'll <laughs> fight crime. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, Ray and I. Ray is the very, very first. Well, no, not really, because I worked at Ha Comedy Club. I almost lied. I was about to say you're the very first person that I met in comedy, but that's a lie because I worked at Ha first. But uh, Ray hired me at Caroline's on Broadway back in 2007. And um, around that same time, Mike Racine was hired as a doorman. No, he was hired in. Oh, see, um, I don't know anything. 2009. Oh. It was. No, wait, wait. Oh, eight. No, seven. Yes, it was seven. Uh, Brad, it was when Brad got fired. Because the first time we ever spoke was the night Brad got fired. And he came down the steps late, and I had to tell him, hey, Brad's fired because he wouldn't fire Bones because Lewis told oh, him to right. fire Bones. And tonight I'm the boss, but can you really, can you help me out? Because I don't really want to do anything, and I'm going to go on. I'm supposed to, I was supposed to go on, I'm still going to go on the show, you know, I was training the manager. And he looked like his head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> he did not know what he got himself into. Like, Right. Yeah. Because that was like the first real... Co- he got hired, not by me. I think Brad hired him. And I never had a conversation with him. I just looked at him. Uh-huh. And then that night I had to pull him aside just to tell him like everything's fucked up. And he <laughs> looked at me like, what What the fuck is going on? <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. And then that's when Brad left Caroline's and went to comics. The Caroline's yeah, and then Gotham, rival. And now he like lives in Virginia. So you said your first memory of Mike was that night. How was your set that night? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was terrible because like they were. Tr- I was training an idiot to be the manager, and like, and I had to go do stand up, and I, and like, I don't. I, I think they had all recognized me from. See, I, I I didn't like doing stand up when I was a manager. 
Right. Yeah. You used it to always, change your clothes really fast, but that's I would change, I don't think I did it that night, but it was a oh. it was a bad set because I just was in a bad mood. I thought I was just gonna. I had day off. I was just gonna like watch movies, then go in and do a set and come home, and then I had to train this jerk off Elijah. Right. So Mike just told me a story about Elijah, which annoyed me and I was going to share with you. So Elijah was the bartender when I first started working at Caroline's. Then when uh, Brad got fired, Elijah got promoted to manager. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess like, so if you worked in the front of Caroline's, you were allowed to get a shift meal. Like you were allowed to order your shift meal. As a waitress, you only got wings and fries or whatever the chef decided to put out. But I guess like the doorman and the hostess were allowed to order some sort of food, but um, there was a rule that it can only be an appetizer and not uh, a sandwich or something. So one day, I guess that Mike- was the rule in two thousand three. By the way, uh, after we all left, that rule went out the window. We had fucking hosts having like six steaks with ice cream <laughs> on top of it when I when I would go in, especially if there was a hostess the manager thought were cute. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess, like, Mike ordered a burger, and Elijah's like, didn't we have this conversation, Mike? Only appetizers for the doorman. And it's like, what do you give a shit? It's not your money. I know. I yeah. hated that guy so much. Well, did, I, he become I, a veterina- did he become a veterinarian, or did I make that up? No, I, I don't even think that's possible. It's, like, impossible to become a veterinarian. It's easier to be a doctor. There's, like, hardly any programs to be a vet in the United States. I can't imagine that idiot got into one. <laughs> Okay, we'll never mind. <laughs> you know it was a good. You know it was a good. This is a good Mike story. So uh, after I beat, so when I first worked Monday Night Goods, they really let me do what I wanted. I wanted, and my whole goal was to bring in people in that hadn't uh, been around for a while, and also get money into people's pockets. So I would book people that don't usually host the host because they would get a hundred bucks. Right. So yeah. I would book Mike to host. Yeah. And uh, you know, Mike's Mike. You know, Mike's not going to be like, uh, hey, everybody. No. This, you know, he's not going to do like uh, <laughs> Mr. Rogers, which is sometimes you have to do that at these shows. Right. But anyway, he was just being Mike and I didn't care. And then a guy went on stage and he ran off crying or it was a girl. Somebody ran off crying <laughs> and they're in the corner crying. And then they go to me. I want to go back up, but I'm really nervous. And so I go, OK, I'll, I'll tell the host to pump everyone up. So I pulled Mike aside. <laughs> you told Mike to pump everyone up. <laughs> yeah, I said, look, I know. I think I said, I know you're Mike Christine. But can you um, tell me, hey, man, you know, comedy is really hard. And sometimes it's very nerve wracking to go up for the first time. And can, let's start clapping. Let's really give this person a lot of support. I go, I know it's not what you do. But this person's about to have a breakdown. And they want to go back up there. And he went, all right. And he goes, up there, he goes, yeah, comedy's hard. And, you know, like, it's not for everybody. Um, you guys clap. You just, you just clap. Like he did his best, like Mr. Rogers. Let's be supportive, Oprah impression. But it was funny because I know that wasn't Mike, but like we're kind of like stuck in a situation where this this person's having a mental breakdown. Right. Yeah. Stand up and like you know you want. I can't believe they went back up. Yeah, they yeah they went back up and they did their thing and they got they got a standing ovation. Oh, were they good? No, they were horrible. But at least people were like appreciative that they went back up there. Yeah. Well, that does sound very like Mike. That's funny. It would be really funny because, like, again, it's like a situation that Mike's not used to. So, yeah. Mike's not like, everyone, let's show support for this person who clearly shouldn't (laughs) be doing stand up. Yeah, no, he's a joke writer. And, yeah. And also, like, I think it's difficult for comedians when, like, people kind of, like, make a hobby out of what is your livelihood. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why I stopped doing stand up, I think, because it wasn't something I, people would always ask me, like, well, what do you want? Like, do you want to be a comedian? And I was like, no, I'm already a speech pathologist. And, and then so saying that kind of felt gross after a while. So I stopped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't like there's so many hobbyists. Uh, yeah. And then they become producers or book. I don't know. It just Right. Or hanger ons. And they start. Uh, I got a whole thing about hanger ons. I can't take. I can't. What are hanger ons? Like people that just like kind of like hang around comedians and then they start booking things or just like hang around. I just I don't like hanger ons. It's a whole other story. I always feel like those people are treating this like mean girls. Right. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Yeah. We just had Sam Morell on the show before this and. And he was talking about how, like, you always have to, like, tiptoes, make sure you, like, keep getting booked and blah, blah, blah and stuff. And it's just, like, it's annoying how many, like, uncool people you have to pretend are cool in comedy. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, it's it's so freeing. This break right now, it's mm-hmm. so freeing, this break, not to have to pretend. Right. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, I told a comedian off the other day. Oh. Because they, disrespe- they like, really disrespectful towards me. Mm-hmm. And it felt freeing to, like, have that freedom to be, like, who the fuck are you when you don't have, you know, back in the old days, you had, like, gotta be nice. I'm working, I'm managing Caroline's. Where you're like, oh, I want spots. It's like, well, there's no spots. Right, there's yeah. There's no spots for a year. So you hopefully you'll get over this in a year. But don't don't talk to me like that, you know? Exactly. And hopefully all these people who, like, have no clue get out of town. But... I just want to be funny and then go home and watch movies. And <laughs> uh, sometimes I think people hold that against you. Like, well, you gotta hang. Like, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I guess I get on mic a little bit more to hang, but that's because I like to hang in some capacities with like what, like certain groups. I'm the one who's like out trying to party. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't. I can't be social with a lot of people. I'm just like, leave me alone. I just want to perform and leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, have you ever seen Mike crush? Do you remember any time that you just saw Mike do really well with stands up? Yeah, I mean, a bunch, because, you know, Caroline's, but um, yeah, I'm trying to go outside Caroline's. Mike and I were just uh, in Buffalo, and he talked about how he lost in March Madness to Robin Shaw. Yeah, he did, yes. <laughs> Do you remember how that happened? I, I only remember, he, like, one incident of March Madness. That was, like, I a think lot. one time I asked him, and then it was, like, he already got in JFL, and I said, or they told me to ask him, and I'm, like, really just not going to benefit you because you already have but i mm-hmm. think so i think that happened before i quit and that's when samantha was in charge and they, they rigged it back then so like well if, she got on stage and she was like don't i look like ricky lake and everyone's like, like <laughs> and yeah yeah <laughs> and then like i remember joe para joe para one by putting a sticker on the wall <laughs> and, now, and then he got a comedy and now he's on adult swim um right well, yeah. I remember, um, I remember Kevin Barnett got on stage and somebody was like, Michael Che. <laughs> and he was like, I'm not Michael J. And then like that, that like crushed. And then Michael Che got on stage and was like, Hey, and then that like crushed. So it's just, it's just a weird competition. I don't know why it, how it came about. Well, yeah. Back in those days, we do about Samantha. I mean, they had it rigged back then. So, uh. They already knew who was going to win. So, like, if you – so, like, I didn't I enjoy it back then. That's why we, when I started helping out with it, I said, let's have the audience vote. Because that's more fun. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is weird. Should we explain what March Madness at Caroline's is for anyone who's listening and doesn't Yeah, know. it's this contest that Brian Kennedy started, and now they, now they think it's theirs. Um, 
it's this, it's like a, two comedians go on stage, each do a minute each, and then the audience votes on who goes to the next round. And the next round, the comedians do two minutes, then three minutes, and it's set up 64 comedians like NCAA March Madness. <laughs> I think one of my craziest experiences at Caroline's was, uh, it has to do with you, was uh, when the Wayans wanted money that night. Oh, yeah. Can you tell that story? <laughs> What day? Was that a Sunday? That was a Sunday. They wanted their advance. It was Sean and Marlon. How much was the advance? Was it two grand or three grand? I thought it was like five, but maybe it was two or three. It was was a crazy amount because I had to pull it from all the waiters. And then there was another show. And so we have to turn the room around and get money. (laughs) And as I have to do the math, like, "Uh, Deborah, how much do you have in your envelope? And, and, and that's the money that we owe to the house at the end of the night. So, like, yeah. it's the money we collected from our checks, which is essentially like twenties, fives, ones, mm-hmm. maybe some fifties and some hundreds, but mostly twenties. Yeah, and I'm like, how much? And, and so we had to gather it, and at and it got really confusing because some people didn't know their envelope. So yeah, yeah. I had to wait for people to finish the reports and the Wayans managers like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> and then finally we got it together. And then they go like, we don't want it. Yeah. Cause the stack of the stack of $3,000 that you handed them was mm-hmm. like a, like a stack of three books. Yeah. So it was like six grand total. Cause it was, and then they go like, we don't want it. And they just leave. And then isn't that the night where I yelled at Corey about the garbage or something? Yeah. <laughs> What did I say to him? Because you no, always tell you that story. Just, you were screaming. You were just screaming like, "Where's Corey?" And yeah, was, I needed his money. Yeah, he was the only person whose money. And they're like, "We gotta go." Yeah, and you're screaming, but he was like, neat. He was like climbing over piles of garbage because he was the only one that took the garbage out. He's because everybody else was doing their money. <laughs> he was the only. One. You know what? All that stress. <laughs> all that stress for like no nothing that fucking meant anything. That's the thing that annoys me at that place the most. Like, yeah. we were more stressed than people at home. Probably people working on Corona aren't even as stressed as we were at Caroline's. I was, I was uh, very, very, very stressed. I was stressed. The second I started walking down the stairs, my heart started to, like, pulsate. It was the most nervous I've ever been, and it lasted for – well, it didn't even last the whole 10 years because I guess, like, after four years, I was like, I don't even care anymore. I couldn't even yeah. get fired every time I did something fireable. I hit Kenny in the face once and he, he was like, he's like, that, that's something that can get you fired. And I was like, well, I'm not going to get fired unless you fire me. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you're like a good worker, they don't want to let you go there. Nah. Yeah. And every, it just, uh, the 86 just... list, that 86 list is what you're run out of in a restaurant. That would be like from the beginning of the weekend, from Thursday until Sunday, it would just be it would just grow until it'd be the whole menu almost. Oh yeah. It would, it, it would, and then you would like say, can we pick up stuff? And they'd be like, no, don't pick up stuff. I remember like, one time we did get a whole bunch of fries from McDonald's. You did? Yeah. Somebody did. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I think Curtis did. Yeah. And then another time we had to keep getting the ice machine broke. So we had to keep getting like buckets of ice from playwright Ruby Foos. Yes, we had to run to go see Joe, rest in peace, and uh, go get ice. Um, Yeah, and then there was like, remember there was a time where the air conditioning broke? Oh, that was the worst night of my life. I forgot about that one. Yeah. But then you let us wear, was it you the manager that night? The Caroline t-shirts. Didn't you all you girls make more money? I think so. Well, by the time 
Chris and I were the only ones that worked that late show. Everybody okay. else went home. I was just walking around with trays of water. And who was who was the comedian? Because it was still packed. BJ Novak was the headliner, and then uh, Paul Mooney was the next guy. Right, and Paul, she was so, packed. So Paul Mooney, we it was only me and Chris were. I just remember like the one thing I remember the night every girl looked like she was in a wet t-shirt concept contest yeah. by the end of the shift. It was it was like an experience that I will never forget. And it brought me things in my life. I think I wouldn't have had the opportunity. I don't know if, what my life would be like if I didn't work well, at yeah, well, Obviously, you met Mike be- because of me. Right. Yes. Say it. You're completely uh, responsible for our relationship. I don't know if I should thank you, if I should hate you. I definitely probably love up, Mike and I'm going probably to up suing him, me in 20 but, years. But that's yeah. I don't know if it like I I don't even know. Um, but thanks, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I do uh, no, feel like, like it was. I, I met a lot of my really close friends there. But yeah. So so let's talk about some moments at Caroline's that you were super glad to have witnessed. I can. I'll go first. So right, I saw um, at Scleroderma. I just saw the excitement on Robin Williams' face and Billy Crystal's face because they were on different sides of the showroom. Mm-hmm. And when at the show ended, and then they saw each other, and they were super excited, and they both like rushed to hug each other, and they were smiling and laughing. I didn't hear anything they were talking about because I wasn't that close to them, but that was super cool to see. Uh, two moments that I really liked, I, th- I think about it, maybe even three. The mm-hmm. first moment was uh, seeing Robin Williams go on stage in 2005. Well, you weren't there, I but wasn't like, there for that one. there no. was somebody heckling. I was in the podium. Luckily, I picked my head in at the right time. But there was someone heckling J- uh, Jeff Ross on stage. And they, were, they, they had just filmed the movie RV. Uh-huh. No, Cheryl Hine was in the movie RV. Did you ever see that movie? No. It's Robin Williams in RV with some fam- his family. Um, so I know Robin Williams was wet inside, but I didn't see him after that. But um, Jeff Ross is getting heckled by a mm-hmm. guy. And it's a real heckler. It's not a fake heckler. And Jeff Ross went back and forth with him. And all of a sudden, a second heckler chimes up. And the second heckler's like, that guy's right. You suck. You should get the fuck off the stage. And Jeff Ross goes, buddy, are you in the back? Go talking to the second heckler. You think you're so funny? Why don't you come up? He goes, okay, I will. And it was uh, Robin Williams. <laughs> and yeah. he went on stage. Perfect. And I've never seen a room of people that excited about anything in my life like right. people jumped up like jesus <laughs> came back and yeah. it was like it was a it was such a cool moment to see people that excited for something yeah yeah i can and imagine just to see them rush him and he, he handled it he was so nice and he he goes up to louis louis goes what do you want tequila keep it coming and he just and he did tequila with the other heckler they did <laughs> he tequila. Did? yeah they in the front of the bar and that was really cool because you know he's that, I, that was the last time I saw him, and then he died a few years later. You weren't at that scleroderma? Oh, we- yeah, I was there for that, too. Yeah, but I was like that. I was miserable then. That, that was yeah. This is when I still had hope, yeah. um, 2005. <laughs> I but- remember when he went on stage, and it was the only time, like, at, like the entire place stood still, even the wait staff. Everyone mm-hmm. stopped working. Everyone, I was leaned up against the wall all the way in the back. I don't remember a single thing he said. I don't even think I could understand him. He was really speaking like this, like super fast and super yeah. low, and like that. Like that's how Robin Williams was delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just like I was memori- mesmerized. And- yeah, he's just like you when you lean you know, on after he passed away. I realized like, like what. Um, effect he had on like my life and like everyone's life mm-hmm. and uh you don't realize because he was kind of like his career was kind of like in the toilet right before he killed himself mm-hmm. and people like were like but then you're like why do we take this guy for granted he was like the fucking best we, you yeah. know what I mean? like 
Mike and, and I just watched Aladdin. We're like, holy shit. Like, what, how did they even make this movie? Like, did well, Robin he did Williams all the voices just, first? He had to. Yeah. Cause yeah, like yeah, yeah. insane. And then they just drew around what he said. Yeah. He really like, he changed like that's be when like they used to never tell you who the voices were, mm-hmm. but after he did the voice, then it became a big deal. Like, although you don't understand this movie has this voice and that voice. Like, right. Yeah. He changed like voice acting. He did. He, he like, he helped save Disney. He did so much. Like, yeah, it's wild. Um, the other three, the other, actually there's three more memories. The other yeah. memory is watching Billboard headline for 20 people in 2003 and realizing that he was going to be the, 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 the thing. And this is what I'll say pause about Caroline's. The other two memories are there was a March Madness where somebody didn't show up. Dan Soder was hanging out in the back and Nate Bergazzi goes up and he goes, just put up Dan. He's funny. He'll do well. And that was the first time Soder was ever on stage at Caroline's. Oh. And, and then now everybody loves him worldwide. Mm-hmm. The other memory is asking Mike Lawrence, when I started booking the Monday night shows, I want to get really good. Uh, like Monday was always a bringer show. And at the, when I started, I wanted to make it kind of like, what was the f- fucking Michael Che show? What was that called? Matchless. Matchless. Sorry. I, oh my I God. You just gave me chills. I missed that show so much. <laughs> I wanted to turn it into the Caroline's Matchless, which it was yeah. for a little bit. And then like Lewis started throwing guest spots and they started. Yeah. They always ringers. did that and ruined the show. They would ruin. I would book a sh- really strong lineup and I book really great comics and I wanted to turn it into the new Matchless and I wanted it to be a place. So the first comic I booked with that initiative, I asked Mike Lawrence and he goes, you should book Tim Dillon. I don't know why he's not here. And I'm the, I booked Tim Dillon there. And Lewis saw him and said, I want this guy on every show. And that nice. was a great feeling. So, like, that was the good thing about Caroline. Well, you're making me feel like a good booker because I've got Soder and Mike Lawrence and Tim Dillon on this sit down with Deb podcast coming up. Oh, so. good. <laughs> well, there you go. I got to have, I got to have uh, uh, at least Soder and Mike Lawrence on the Disney podcast. But, um, yeah. But that's what the good thing about Caroline's. And it's not like other clubs, there's so many fucking hoops to jump in to get somebody in. But mm-hmm. at Caroline's, like the only good, th- one of the only good things I could say is like I could just go to Lewis and be like, I think this person's funny, and if he agreed, they were it. Like there was yeah. no hoops, there was no like, oh, but you're only doing stand up for like a month. They're like, oh, you're only you've been doing it too long. If they thought there was something good, good with you, you got in and you were right. given opportunities. And Soder made them. I mean, they fought one time. Hannibal Buress was late, and they fought for Soder to open up for Lewis Louis C.K. And Louis C.K. was like, I don't know, and. Louis like, no, this guy's funny. Trust me. And Soder killed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't doubt it. Set. I, um, I, yeah, he, he, I remember when that whole crew, I felt like they all came up at the same time. They were always at Caroline's, like, like, it was mm-hmm. Soder. Mark well, Norman. Soder was always hanging around. Nate was already in. Giannis yeah. was already in. Mm-hmm. Soder would hang around. Um, one of my favorites. So one time I was, like, really angry at Caroline's. Surprise, surprise. I was, like, I was, I felt like it was like you mentioned so stressful all the time mm-hmm. and there were so many things that went wrong unnecessarily. So I was really angry at one point I'm pouring coffee, which was my least favorite thing for anyone to order at the comedy club because you had to make more coffee and you can only fit somebody on your tray and there were hardly any mugs. So I'm pouring coffee and somebody comes up yelling from behind me. They're like, this is the best waitress ever. This girl right here. And I turn around like, I was like, who the hell is that? And it was Chris Rock. Oh, wow. That's a nice, that's a good story. Yeah, that was nice. Um, And he didn't know me or anything. He just was saying that because that was, I was basically like where the coffee station is, is where the entrance to the kitchen was. So that was his big entrance to the entire wait staff. And I miss that about the comedians. They liked 
the ones specifically who liked to perform for the wait staff in the kitchen. Well, they, back, they, I mean, it wasn't going on when I was, when I was like doing my show there, but in the, in those days, they would be friends with the staff. Like they would go yeah. hang out with the staff, like the staff and the comics. And I feel like that kind of ended like when like the Chase and the Soders rose up, the new generation would just walk in, do a set and leave. Now again, when, yeah. by the time Chase and like Soders rose up, I was already gone, but I never really heard about comedians hanging out with the wait staff like that. We, I yeah. was like really good. For, I was closer to comedians when I was a host. Like I was closer to like people like Big J and Soda, not Soda, Joe DeRosa when I was a host and I am right now mm-hmm. as a full-time comic. I, uh, I remember that like, I felt like Jim Jeffries was our friend. Yes. Like, he just like, he really came, he came to the early shows. If any of the wait staff were doing sets on the shows before his show, Mm-hmm. Um, he watched my set once yeah yeah he was he was cool uh i used to hang out with bill burr yeah i, I, like I remember him. i was like how's uh california he's like yeah it's fine i mean you can't get a beer and a slice at 3 a.m but yeah then he said and i feel stage, like i don't so have that relationship like with a lot of people anymore like i hang out with people but like you know i don't it's yeah. weird it's like a whole different but like it used to be closer you used to have like a bar like you're almost like the comedian, the staff would have this thing like we're in this together, and you know who, who would foster that a lot was was uh, Louis and Curtis. Yeah, and, like I don't know. So Curtis was one of the head, was like the head waiter at Caroline's, and he mm-hmm. was there since 1997, and he um, really did like he became close with all the comedians, and he made the he like went out of his way to make the comedians feel special, and I think that's what made them like be more social with the wait staff. Yeah. Um, but. Chelsea Handler was great. She would always bring us our, her book. She was good. Yeah, she. I used to talk with her all the time. It's, yeah. Yeah, I used to. I used to hang Tracy hang Morgan talk. told me to quit my job and just do comedy. And then I was like, well, all right, I'm going to tell people you said that. He's like, no, don't say that I told you to. I'm just saying if you want to. I made millions of dollars off this. So if you want to do well, you got to commit. Yeah, he, but he was always nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, really nice. Well, to some of us. So, my favorite yeah. was uh, John Panette. Panette was all yeah. Panette, Panette was cool. Uh, he used Brian to come Regan. in the kitchen with like a a scarf and like mm-hmm. come in and out. Like he'd be an old woman, he'd put it around his head, and he'd like act like old woman in in the kitchen, and then leave and do something again with the scarf and come back. He yeah, would the pour M Ms down our throat from a wine bottle. Yeah, because you needed somebody like when Curtis was gone, then there was like nobody who was there because it was cool. Everybody was there. Like they were miserable because they had that job forever and they, it was easy to keep it, but nobody was like trying to curate like a community there. Yeah. Well, nobody would go back there and try to be a friend with somebody like, Hey, you know, like Curtis go back there. Hey, what's up? I'm the head waiter. I'm Curtis. Right. Yeah. I saw you on Showtime. So funny. Anything you need, bro, you just come let me know. Anything. What, what, do you, right. what, what do you want? You want like five bottles of Patron? What do you want? You know what yeah. I mean? You want Ruby Foos? He like, you want the Yeah, you, you want Chinese food? Yeah, door? he would just, and then they would automatically let their guard down. I also really do think it's super cool that like we got to see people like John Witherspoon and Paul Mooney. Um, and, and Greg Giraldo. Well, that was before yeah. you showed up. I was not there, yeah. Uh, um, Mitch Hedberg. Right. Uh, Dane Cook at his peak, well, I, which, you know, some that was before shit. me. I miss that. Cause I, okay. cause when people, when I first started working everyone's like, who's your favorite comedian? I was like, I don't know, Dane Cook. And that was the wrong answer, but I still he, think he's a good comic. Well, well I don't know. Anything I mean, new. you know, people tell me that he, this, that, and the third about him. And I'm like, do you remember the last, did you watch the, the last episode of friends live? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember there were like parties all over the city for that? Yeah. He sold out with a mainly female audience. He sold out his room the night, the final night of Friends. Uh-huh. Like I remember Greg Charles went to a party. Everyone was going to a party. And that's like insane to me. Like he, right. that was like the event of the, the TV event of the year, especially for like female viewers around that age range. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I remember Bill Burr, Bill Burr came in. He only had like 10 people in the show after he goes, I goes, how'd that, how'd he do? And I said, he sold out. He sold out. He sold out. It was the fucking final episode of Friends. And this <laughs> fucking guy said, I can't even get 10 people in the room. It was like really funny. It's like, he yeah. did, it's fucking friends like it was just <laughs> he sold out the super bowl you right. can't even super get people bowl to go was out. closed every caroline's every time i worked at caroline's for super bowl it was either closed or the, every show got canceled because no yeah. one came i, I you, people talk shit like how can you talk shit about the, like no one's ever done that before or since like mm-hmm. yeah and like remember friends that was when everybody watched tv i mean people don't watch tv like that anymore right yeah PBRs, yeah everybody had to watch that live and people gave it up to go see him yeah, I mean, comedy's pretty cool. I have to admit, as as much as, as I was overwhelmed with the amount of work that we had to do, but then also we were all constantly getting in trouble. Yes, it was even like when just, things went right, we did it wrong. Yeah, yeah. So it was like constant trouble to the point where, like, I think I am immune to stress and trouble because I'm, I'm like, kinda, I don't, I, I don't care. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what are you gonna do? You're not gonna. There's nothing that you can say to me. I have not heard before or whatever. I don't care. But um, so I left all that. And then when I graduated from grad school and I became a speech pathologist, I became like incredibly lonely because everyone I had known had the opposite schedule of me now. So it was like a first year that was really hard for me. And that's when I started to do comedy for real. I mean, you put me on a show in 2011, but I did. I started doing it on my own in 2014, I feel like. Okay. So then. That's when you teamed up with Justin. Yeah. Yeah, and then I started doing the shows with him, and I would do open mics and stuff like that. Um, but then I also, because of that, started hanging, and I also would go to Matchless, like you mentioned, that was like the coolest show. But anyway, so like I, I got involved in comedy in a different capacity than I was outside of being a waitress, and it just showed me that like other places are cool and welcoming. Like the stands, you're allowed to hang out at the stand without getting mm-hmm. in trouble allowed to hang out at the comedy cellar without getting in trouble so that's why that's why caroline's could never become that place because they well, it used to be it, and then it stopped it used to it when never I, was when i was there so two, well when i started comics would come in and sit with greg and he would hold court and chuck nice would come in and have a drink and then like around the time maybe it's because you showed up but <laughs> yeah, I but it. it really was like around the time like you showed up it, it kind of like went away uh, yeah, one time, uh, remember when Lucille got mad? Mike was selling sauces. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, head, he was like the opener, and the headliner said it's okay to sell stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was like it, it was, was Colin just like, show. It was Colin or someone else. It might not have been. Maybe it was Colin because I think Colin was selling a CD. And no, he sells napkins. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so Colin yeah. had one table. Mike had another. Mm-hmm. And I think she went to Mike and said, you really should. You know, this is a food place. You can't sell food. It's sealed. It's well, people could open it and spill it on the rug or something. Right. Like yeah. that's what people that's are going to do. With... Doing. They're going to like spill some tomato sauce. And yeah. they're going to be like, here's, here's 20 bucks for the tomato sauce. Aha! And then run out. Screw you, college just. I ruined the floor. <laughs> oh, I have to ask him if he'll do this. It was, it was so funny. Like how Colin, <laughs> Colin would giggle whenever like a club said that Mike couldn't sell. <laughs> 
the sauce. Because <laughs> sometimes people would say like, because it's like a food that you couldn't. Uh, but I know, but it was, it was, it was just like, I don't would know. go like across the street and sell it then. He could sell it outside. I mean, even if the sauce spilled, what's the big deal if it spilled? Before we started dating, he met me at Brooklyn Brewery and uh, he had a backpack and he was like, I got a bunch of sauce in here. I'm going to bring it to a party later to sell it. And I was like, <laughs> funny. It was not a joke, though. Yeah, no. Did Mike show up? Is it, was yeah, he just brought me flowers. Thank you. He's, he's here now. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought he was going away. That's why you're doing this. He is. Well, he's... I'm just getting a head start. He's going oh, to Cleveland okay. and he's going to Massachusetts. And then we just, he just did a personal appearance in Buffalo, which was what fun. I went mean? for that. Like a barbecue. He like barbecued and hung out and they, they like booked him. To oh, like that. fans. They just wanted to hang out with him. Yeah. Gas, tolls, hotel. I mean, that's, that's better than doing indoor. I, 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 indoor shows, I think are really like the kiss of death. Right now, so that's better. Most, I, who's doing indoor shows? Governors doing indoor oh, shows. Oh, really? Which makes me, they asked me to do, well, they, well, they get, said you can do a guest spot on one night. I was like, mm. I was like, no. I was like, I just, because if I get sick, I live alone. Like, what if, uh, no one's going to take care of me. Right, yeah. You know? You know? Yeah, like, and it's like wanna... not worth the risk. No, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know what? We were hoping you would show, we wanted to hand you an HBO developmental deal. Yeah. My, my thing, like, if you do an indoor show now, if you go out of your way to go do an indoor show now, I think you're very short-sighted and selfish because mm-hmm. here's, I get, I miss, like, doing shows every night. I miss all that. But in order to get back to that place, we've got to get these numbers down. And the way it spreads is in an indoor place and, and laughing. When we when we laugh and we right, talk, yeah. talking can spread it. People tend, don't realize that. You're laughing. And then, like, no one's wearing masks. Any pictures I see of indoor shows, no customers wearing masks. And the club says... You have to wear a mask everybody in the showroom. But in the showroom is where you're going to get it. Who gives a fuck yeah. if you're not wearing a mask in the bathroom? So, I don't know. I just feel like it's very short-sighted, and it's going to cause more long-term damage to the scene. You'll, you'll feel great for that night, but you'll never make a living at this again. I don't know if you'll feel great that night, because it's just going to be a very poorly sat show. I think some people just need the rush of, yeah. I was on stage. Right. Yeah. Well, there's lots of shows around in New York that are outside. So if anyone's feeling that itch, they should check those out. I, I, uh, have you guys gone to QED yet? No. They're doing it really good. I, I'm doing another show there on Thursday, but I did a show there two weeks ago. They clean them. They, they take the mic. They clean the mic. They have like six or seven mics. Mm-hmm. They're constantly disinfecting them. There's yeah. outdoors. If the, so they sat at cust, customers and I had my mask down. I was all the way in the back of the backyard. They go, like, you have to put your mask on. If, if we're going to see customers now, you have to have the mask on right. unless you're on stage, which is awesome. Everybody has the mask on. It's done really well. So I got to give it up to Camping Cruise. It, I really feel safe there. And lo- I'm lucky that I can walk there. So right. Really yeah. Cool. It's far for us. But yeah. 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 I know. I'm doing in rooftop show in Brooklyn. I don't even know how I'm going to get there because I want to. Have you taken the subway or no? Yeah, I have been a lot. I'm like, it's empty. I'm like the only one on it every time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll take it once to do a a Brooklyn rooftop show. But like, I I feel really good at QED. That's good. I mean, I keep spray around me. I wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I keep a mask on. And then, um, but mostly I've been all by myself. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress too much. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I, well, you know what the other thing I do? Uh, I bring my own microphone. Oh, you do? Yeah. Because I have a bunch of mics from my podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, and they, they, they have the same XLR, so I'm like, fuck it, right. I bring my own microphone. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about anything. Smart. So there's, yeah. a, there's 
Ray's advice, bring your own microphone to the comedy show. <laughs> All right, well, we got to wrap up. Uh, thank you okay. so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Deb. Thank you. Bye, Ray. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was episode two of the Sit Down with Deb. I sat down with uh, comedian Ray Goots. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube at Ray Goots. I hope that gave you a little bit of a background of how I got involved in comedy and with Mike. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to keep posting these episodes until I run out of interviews. Upcoming guests include Brendan Sagalo, Scott Chaplin, Rebecca Trent, Annie Haynes, um, Mike Lawrence, Tim Dillon, Dan Soder, a whole bunch of people. So stay tuned. Uh, please pledge to Mike's Patreon or my own if you'd like to continue hearing episodes. Um, that's patreon.com slash the sit down or patreon.com slash Deborah Brooks. I think it's CCCSLP. Or it's just SLP. I can't remember. Uh, you'll find me on there. But yeah, so thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.